0: Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. ...wants support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the
1: air. Fleming for That's Craig it. Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy, it's the
2: Goal! Abanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Abanelli spots out... Welcome back to the Borough Breakdown Podcast with me, Johnny, Dana and Tom. We are the Borough Podcast that gives you the ins, the outs, the ups, the downs of Millsville Football Club in the last seven days. It's been a bit of a rollercoaster with back-to-back home defeats. The signing of Yannick Balassi and Daniel Fisher and the 0-0 draw of Norwich, Sleeth and Borough. Seventh in the championship table. Dan, I'm going to kick things off with you and we'll start just before the game with Neil Warnock and naming all three strikers on the bench. Four if you want to include Duncan Watmore with Balassi filling in as the number nine to make his debut. It was a strange move from Neil Warnock, wasn't it?
1: It was, yeah. I wasn't expecting like Bellassi to start, to be fair, just given the fact that he'd only joined a couple of days before the game and probably didn't have much training under his belt. But, um, yeah, he struggled for the most part, I think because of Boris' game plan, we were looking to contain Norwich to, null- to nullify the threat, to sit deep essentially and soak up the pressure and then potentially hit, hit them on the counter-attack. And um, he was isolated for a lot of the game and um, I mean, I'm not going to criticise his performance because it was the first time he'd played since i think march so to get 55 minutes under his belt is is good hopefully he can build up the fitness and then we can see him become a real valuable asset for us um come the the final stretch of the season
2: yeah i thought he had a a positive debut but it was a a clear game plan for borough wasn't it then it was very much just to sit back and try and grind up the draw do you think it worked pretty much to a
1: Yeah, it did. It was just lacking that quality in the final third, really. That um, you know, It was a typical Neil Warnock performance, and in hindsight, we really should have expected it because he seems to really like these games where the man-marking policy really works, and it did yesterday. It was really effective, the fact that you had Mark Bowler and um, Daniel Fisher marking two of the most potent threats of, of Norwich's team to you know limit them space and limit them opportunity to influence the game. It worked. Um, I think midfield was really industrial, they were picking up the loose balls and particularly in the second half when uh, Buendia went off they were making sure that they that we did spring forward it was just that lack of quality like I said that um, made, that, that sort of did us over in the end um, getting the three points but it was a good performance and I don't think we can really complain it wasn't one for the neutrals of course but it was a performance and, and a tactic that, that Borough really needed to adopt in the game given the quality that Norwich have and yeah, the fact that we um, we limited them and we didn't allow them a single shot on target the first time since Chelsea did that I think last season. So yeah, it's um, yeah it was a really good performance.
2: It was. Um, but Tom Dana has been alluding to it there about final third. Um, but in that first half it was very much out of context, this ball where there was nothing. No, there was no one going forward, and Jed was the furthest furthest forward. There's about ten centre backs, uh, or ten players for uh, for Norwich at the, at the back to be fair. But uh, in the second half he decided to get bodies forward. And it just seemed we lacked a little bit in the final third, didn't we?
0: Yeah, I think that was just the way we were set up to play. Um, we noticed at about 10 minutes in at the first half, we were going all in on the, the man marking with uh, Fisher and Bowler being dragged over the other side of the pitch and, and, and into, into centre midfield at times. But I think that's that's why you had Spence and Johnson picked uh, to play on the wings. And I've, I've mentioned this before on the pod. I feel like when they're picked... It's because of their defensive qualities, and they can double back on uh, threats on on the wings. Um, I don't think they're the the greatest uh, we have for going forward. I think we if we add uh, Roberts or Watmore, or even if you you put Bulasi out on the wing, uh, there's there's a bit more quality there going forwards. Um, but it was all part of the game plan. We, we nullified them well. We were trying to hit them on, on the counter attack, um, trying to use Johnson and, and Spencer's uh, attacking qualities as well. It just uh, we didn't have enough going uh, going forward in the second half. I think, we, we did have some some good chances, which came from the centre midfielders pressing higher in the in the second half, uh, getting heavy on on the first touch for uh, some of the Norwich centre midfielders. Uh, I think Johnny Housen did really well uh, in particular. With, with that, he, he launched a few few chances from doing that. Um, it's just we we didn't have enough up front to to finish them. I think.
2: Yeah, you're absolutely spot on with the way we pressed, the way we won the ball back, and the way we're trying to get bodies forward. In the second half was 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 okay. It was it was relative, It was relatively good. I thought. I think you're absolutely spot on when you say the lack of qualities there. And I think Borough just needed that probably. Yeah. A better centre forward uh, to try and open the game up, uh, or to try and pull defenders away, to try and get more shots off. Um, I felt like Palms Running wasn't particularly good in the second half. I didn't think that he probably did enough uh, in, did enough in the game to try and implement anything of, of sorts, To be honest, um, but we with Wendy being been sent off, Tom and around like the 60th minute. Were you surprised that Borat didn't roll a dice and try and go for it in this in, in towards the end because? You know, the, the game was there to be one, I thought.
0: Not so much surprised, but I was wondering if we were going to go for it or not when when that happened. Um, I think, as we all know from Fulham at home last season, it is hard to play against 10 men. So, um, it, it, it was a bit difficult. I mean, Norwich are even a strong team with 10 men, though. Uh, you look at who they brought off the bench when they went down to 10 men, it was... Uh, that Placetta, who the Sky commentator said if he was still playing in the Premier League, uh, he'd actually be the fifth quickest winger there. Uh, Ornel Hernandez came on as well. We're obviously well familiar with him. He's fast going forward. He's got skills. So if you commit too many forward there, uh, you could still easily be hit on the counter-attack. Uh, and our approach was working up to that point. So I suppose it's just try and make the, uh, the extra man count and uh, hope, hope for the best w- with it, really.
2: Yeah, so do, do you think it was a, a thing for for Warnock of just trying not to lose the game? Uh, because given that we probably didn't throw another striker on, or we didn't be, be become more offensive, do you just think it was don't try and get beat, try and stop the rot, and get a valuable point away from home?
0: Yeah, um, I, I think it probably did did better for us getting getting a draw. Obviously, it would have been great if if we'd won as well. But especially after the last couple of games to, to go somewhere like Norwich and get a nil-all draw, uh, that's probably a lot better than for confidence and say so going for it, getting hit on the counter-attack and getting beat by a 10-man team 1-0, um, I, I think it was probably the right approach in hindsight.
2: Yeah, and the approach that we played was was built on the defence and I thought Delfry <laughs> yesterday coming back... Uh coming back from such a bad injury last week and we thought oh god this could be a couple of weeks three weeks out and I thought he was he was excellent yesterday he headed everything away he was good positionally he made things really difficult for the centre forward Pookie to to really create anything and I thought when he went down it was like oh this could be a bit of a miss for us um what were you guys impressed with him yesterday do you think did, and also, did Wednesday's performance against uh, against Rotherham show like how much we need Del fry, um Because it's quite clearly what he brings to the table. Who wants to who wants to take anyone? Wanna yeah? How impressed the I... Del fry.
1: Yeah, I mentioned it in the post-match write up that we, we absolutely did miss him on Wednesday. It's just he's thrived so much under Neil Warnock and, and I had a lot of question marks over Dale Fry before because I just don't think his performances were strong enough or consistent enough. Um, he wasn't really strong enough in those aerial battles as well and he is just completely shone this season. He really, really has and you could tell that the the work with Warnock on the training pitch has worked. Um, it's worked a treat and yeah, like I said, we, we absolutely did miss him on Wednesday. In fairness to Nathan Wood, he is young so he's going to have games where he's not necessarily on on song but Fry was absolutely fantastic yesterday, and if it wasn't for Daniel Fisher, he would have been my pick for man of the match. He was absolutely superb, and, and like you said, he really um, stifled the threat of, of Timu Puki because Timu Puki is is quite an all round striker. He likes to bring players into or other players into the attack, which is what the commentators were picking up on yesterday. Um, and he barely had a sniff. Really, there was a couple mm. of chance, a couple of moments where um, he did bring players into play, but um, overall, Fry really dealt with him and um, it was a fantastic performance from Dale Fry and he he just keeps going from strength to strength which is fantastic to see
2: Yeah it really is, he's starting to mature into a a really positive centre back Um, I think the one big difference that Dale Fry and Ben Gibson have is that Ben Gibson was able to get promoted and I think that is where if Mills were to sell him they'll lose the most value because I think with Dale Fry yes he has a lot of potential yes he has qualities there but I feel like if you're going to sell him to say a Burnley or a it's a crystal palace. Um, So I feel like that's where he'd probably end up. Uh, I feel like you'd probably be lucky to get about 10 million from it. If that, to be honest, I just just think on the resume of his resume, I just don't think it's particularly great at the minute, but he is flourishing to be a a very, very good center back. Well, well, let's chat about someone else. I want to chat about Jed Spence a little bit, Tom. Um, He seems to be a bit of a boo boy uh, at the moment with his recent performances. Do you think, he seems like a player that's out, out of form, um but do you think it's uh fans have a, a right to be concerned?
0: Yeah, I mean I think just based on form at the moment, I don't think he's been great at right back and I think it's fully justified the the signing of Darnell Fisher um to compete with, with Diceel for that right, uh, right back spot. And then I think it's just it's a similar um situation to Hayden Coulson, I think. In trying to trying to figure out what Spencer's best position is, because I think he he does have a good amount of skill going forward. He needs to Im- improve his decision making, I think, but that will come with with time. I think he he's still still only young, um, but I don't think he's great defensively. I think he's better going. I mean, I've, I've said before he he's got defensive qualities. Uh, so when we're playing him on a wing, he does come back and he, he's he got that kind of position, but I don't think he can play right back. Um, so he's kind of more of a defensive winger, but as, as well, he needs to kind of improve his uh, decision-making going forward. Um, I, I'd hope he can be worked on uh, by Warnock and hopefully get him back to to some sort of form. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think the, the fans are, are right to be concerned at the moment based on, on current form.
2: Yeah, it, 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 it's an interesting one with, with Jed Spence. I think you, you're right, he's a right-back's probably not his role, uh, or a winger's not his role, but I think that, that wing-back, which is quite a modern... I would say it's, it's quite a modern uh, position now in the game because the way that teams are playing the three at the back a lot more now, especially in the Italian, but also, Italian league, but also in the Premier League as well, where we've seen Chelsea revert back to that three. We've also seen the likes of Wolves uh, play that a very similar formation as well. And it seems to to pretty much suit him. And I thought he played his best football last year where he was part of a three. Uh, where the three was at the back the three at the back and he was playing as a wing back because he had the defensive cover. He had his duties and he didn't have to commit too much going forward. Um but he was able to maintain a solid position there. But Dana, uh, do you think do you think Borough should should maybe lay off a little bit with the, with the criticism? I know um, it, it's I don't know pretty much contradicting myself a little bit with with what Tom was saying there. But it's is it is it should, should we start to lay off these younger type players because it was similar with Tav when well it still is with Tav where people are very very critical of his performances. The guys are only twenty year old. Um, they're still very young. They're still very raw as professionals. Do you think we should be more patient with this or do you think we should be, you know, going with like the Simpsons meme where everyone's like got the flames and like the. <laughs> <laughs> but...
1: No, I think I think we should be patient. I mean, it's easy to say that now after the game, but when you watch it back and you know, like the the Rotherham game for example, he switches off, um, and you know the game before that he switches off there as well, and, and it costs us a goal. So, in those moments, it's hard not to be critical. And I think, although um, he is young. There is obviously criticism that is, is justified, like Tom said there. But yeah, he's, he is only young. And I suppose, I know I, I mentioned about Hayden Coulson a couple of podcasts ago that um, I sort of criticised him. It's a little bit different for me with, with Hayden Coulson. He has been in and around the first team of squad for a while now. And it was Jed Spence's debut season last season. Um, he did set quite a, a high bar of expectation because he did have a really good opening campaign. So it's it's just, a, you know, he's been a victim of his own standards, really. that He set the bar quite high Mm eye um and he just you know he hasn't really progressed this season but I do agree with Tom I think he's stuck in the middle like Hayden Coulson um Neil Warnock needs to find out what his position is um I I agree with you Johnny where you said that you know right wing back's probably his role but you know he needs to find it and he needs to find it quickly because Borough fans are are quite quite critical um and sometimes rightly so sometimes it is unfair um But he needs, you know, this is a bump, a small bump in the road for Jed Spence. He needs to grow from it and improve and and just make it a part of his armour and and, and just make sure that he progresses from here because um, obviously criticism is landing at his door and, Mm. you know, he he does need to improve. It's a simple fact. He's been off form recently and and as much as we love him on this podcast, he, he does need to step up.
2: Yeah, it's it's very much hot and cold, isn't it, with, with young players. And in this yeah. division as well, the championship it's so inconsistent. You can have some great games against the top sides and lose against the, the bottom <clears> sides. <throat> but I think with individually with Jed, I think that user right, he is hot and cold. His form's not great at the moment. And I think that he's going through a phase where he needs to be remarkably patient with his opportunities but also his development as well. I think with his with him with him right now. I think he's. It's more of like a slingshot where he's came on the scene and he's just. He has to go back to go forward again. I think yeah. he has to really learn the principles of his defensive game. And once he's nailed that, and he's he's nailed that, what Neil Warnock wants from him, I feel like you can move on to more of the attacking side of it. I think if he's going to play that right back role, or he's going to compete with Daniel or, or with Dyke Steele, then he needs to learn from them too, and take. A couple of hours on the training ground and put the put the work into to really propel himself in the next development because I think he has got a lot of tools to succeed. I completely agree with Warnock. I think he's got everything to really he can go right to the very top if he needs to. Um, but I just don't think right now he's showing any of that. Um, I think he just needs to to really work on work on that defensive outlet first um, because that's where he's been switching off. And then if he wants to play as a wing back or he wants to go further forward. Then spend three or four hours a day, or a couple of hours after training, just knocking balls at the box, just constantly running down the line, knocking them in, and knocking them in. And that's where you'll probably learn. It's that practice makes perfect. But then also, if if he has that talent, then he has that drive to really kick his career on. Now, I feel like he can he can do whatever he wants to do. But yeah, it's a it's a strange one with, with Jed Spence at the moment. But kind of I kind of agree with some of the criticism. But I'm also part of me is just like he is need to lay off. Mm. the really young players and I think neatly off the, the academy players in general because I think as a as a club I feel like we are we're very critical of the young players that we bring through um, because the, the one of us we want them to perform but also I think we care so much we just like get overly critical of, of what we want to bring in but Tom do you think we're a little bit critical as well of these young players coming through especially like if they're from the academy
0: feel like it's uh, quite similar to what Dana said about Jed that he's a, a victim of his own standards. Uh, I feel like that could be the same thing with our academy. When you look at some of the the people who've come through it, had a great first couple of seasons and were part of the team straight away. Stuart Down and James Morrison, even people like Stuart Parnaby at that point were, were like uh, getting in the team quite consistently. Um, but I feel like the There's maybe a little bit too much pressure uh, from that kind of going forward. I think we've seen it quite a lot over the years, like Joe Bennett being an example. uh, I know there was quite a lot of pressure on him, Uh, and Andrew Taylor, I think, as well when he came through. Um, Also, you you look at kind of our our centre backs and the standards they've set, like Weeder, Ben Gibson. I think every centre back that's came through. Everyone's always said they're a future Borough captain and they're a future England captain and they're, they're going to get in the England team.
2: And yeah. like, right and they, and they all play at the younger English levels as well, and they're really yeah. starting. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. You look at like some, some of the other players that have uh, come
0: through our academy with like massive hopes on them, like Bryn Morris and, and Harry Chapman. Uh, obviously, that, that goal that went viral after Chapman scored it in the was it the the youth Champions League or something yeah. was yeah. immense, but. Um, I think even from that age, like pressure's been being, being put on them. So I, I think, yeah, they, we probably do expect a bit too much too soon for these players coming through. Um, but I think you only have to look at people like Fry and, and Tav to to show that that does eventually come. I was the same as Dana with uh, Adele Fry. I had questions about him. We've heard for ages that he was the best centre-back to come through the academy. He was going to be so much better than Ben Gibson. And for the last few seasons, I think like, I don't see it. But I said at the on a podcast at the end of last season, uh, certain managers can get the best out of players. And I think that's definitely happened with Dale Fry and probably with Tav as well. Um, so I think that just shows what, what time can, can do to help these players if we just kind of give them be a little bit patient with them, it'll pay off in the long run.
1: Yeah, I think it's a test of their mentality as well, and it'll be a test of Jed's mentality to see how he can bounce back from this tough spell. Yeah. I will say that a tough spell doesn't make a bad player. It, you know, it, they're just going through it a little bit, and they need oh. to work through it and see what's going wrong, identify what's going wrong, and then address it. You know, I don't think we should similarly to, similarly to when they come through and a lot of the time you do see that the hype appear and it gets maybe a little bit too much I think similarly on the other side of things we shouldn't criticize them too much as well of course like you know don't protect them in a, in a bubble and say that you're oh, you're fine you can get away with it because you're young um you know it's it's a little bit inexcusable to be switching off um in the championship when you know and, and then you get punished for it so times like that criticism is justified but I wouldn't Go overboard with it, like I wouldn't go overboard with the prayers either.
2: Yeah, um, I think what you're saying there, Dan. I think I think tough tough spells make good players. I think there's with, with Jed right now. I think we're in a weird we're in a weird position too, where like he can't like say after after a game now if he's had a bad game. Normally he'd he sit with met or Fancy come up to to the northeast for a couple of days, come and sit with us. Or like his family come up and live with me for a few mm-hmm. days. Get me, like let's get over like these bad performances. You can't really do that, now. Mm-hmm. He's probably like a twenty-year-old living at all, living by himself or living with a partner, and like that's it. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it's it probably be so hard for him to like decompress after a game, and he's probably thinking about that quite a lot. But it was funny you mentioned Dale Fry Tom as well because it's took him five years to be at this level. Yeah. Um, he, remember when he first came on the scene under eight or you against Preston, and now look, it's, it took it took five years, five six years since then to really for him to. To really develop, and that has to come with time, and it comes with games, and and mistakes as well. Like remember how many mistakes Dale Fry made a couple of yeah. seasons ago, and everyone was slating him, saying he wasn't good enough, not a footballer. And now everyone sings his praise. It's going to be very much the same with, with every academy player that we bring through. And it's just that time for patience, and patience comes with every single player, and especially with transfers too, where a new player come in. Daniel Fisher, Yannick Balassi, they need time. Doesn't matter if you come from England or from overseas, like, you will need time, or you'll need a year to really bed in uh, to a team, hence why loan players aren't always particularly great, they need to get up to speed very very quickly, but let's chat, chat about transfers and loan players, and all that kind of fun stuff, because Yannick Balassi signed this week, with also Daniel Fisher, they both made the debuts yesterday, both subbed off, um, with, with Yannick Balassi played for 55 minutes, first game for like 330 plus days, Daniel Fisher hadn't played for a couple of months, and he was voted Man of the Match yesterday uh, but what did you guys think of the debuts of, of the two new players yesterday do you th- think they were really positive for Borough fans to to to, to really look at really do you think they were, everyone would be happy with them go on Tom go on go um, on, Tom.
0: I think yeah um, I thought Daniel Fisher did, did really well um, I can see why he won Sky Sports Man of the Match awards for me he was kind of joint top with Johnny Howison for that um, but I was really impressed with, with him. Um, Yannick Bellassi, I don't think we could expect too much from him uh, considering he hadn't played in so long. But what I did notice um, from from his performance was the experience that he clearly has because he was using his body quite well, uh, jumping into, into headers, winning them, uh, which we're not used to seeing too much from, from our strikers this season. Um, but I, I think... That experience kind of saw him through. Uh, obviously, we, we'd love to see the kind of performances from Balassi. Like, uh, I think there's that, that famous kind of uh, a trick that he did against Liverpool, where he did, like did the the swipe at the ball on the ground and then uh, ran past the the fullback. We'd all love to see that, but I think that's going to come with match sharpness. Um, but I think what he did yesterday was used as experience quite well.
2: Yeah, do you think he's going to bring that experience to the dressing room, Tom, and that extra quality?
0: Yeah, definitely. I think that's one of the the positives of of signing all the players, um, and I think we've we've kind of seen that with uh, with Sam Morsey this season as well. Because, I mean, he's twenty nine, uh thirty one. They've been around the, the game for quite a long time. They can help some some of our younger players, and it is quite a young squad. So, <clears throat> um, yeah, it, it can only only be a benefit for the the dressing room. I think.
2: Yeah, I completely agree. I think he can he can only bring good qualities um, to, to the team. Even though, like my my boss is an Everton fan, he was just not. He was just like, oh, he just went. Oh, good luck. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to enjoy a young quality. I was like, oh, well, you never know. You never know. He could be decent. But I want to speak about Daniel Fisher, Dana, um, 26 year old, 300k. After the game yesterday, you know, he went home. He put his keys, his wallet, his, uh, his Elton John's Greatest Hits album <laughs> on, the, on the table and Todd Campbell was Pintel in Campbell there as Campbell, well. Yeah. So he was uh, a very, very good dino fish yesterday. Do you think he's an absolute snip for 300k? Yeah. Well, the reported fee, of course.
1: Yeah, yeah he took to the game like a fish to did and he? he was fantastic. And. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I hope someone I was hoping someone would pick up on that. But yeah, it was fantastic. But what I will say, and I know I'm I'm sounding like a little bit of a Debbie Downer here, is it was a good start, but that's all it was. Um it's only downhill from here, to Darnell. But no, it was fantastic and, and quite rightly so man on the match and to think that he hadn't played for Preston for a couple of months, he, he came mm. off with cramp, um, and you know he did he did such a good job with that man marking uh, policy. And I was worried at halftime because I was thinking surely you can't keep this up for you know the, the rest of the game. But in fairness to him, he did, and it was a really key part of Borough's play yesterday, just making sure that Todd Cantwell had no real impact on the game and you could see he was frustrated he was limited to pot shots from outside the box which is exactly what what we wanted really and I think that was a key indicator to the fact that it worked and yeah it it was fantastic but but like I said yeah it's it's a good start but that's all it is at the moment hopefully he can keep these these performances up um because if (laughs) if so then that is a snip and and in fairness Preston fans said that they would miss him um and they were a little bit sad to see him go so I think we've got a, a decent deal there with Daniel Fisher.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think he's going to be still standing in, in the next few weeks. I think it was those performances for sure. Uh, I thought he was brilliant. But looking at the, the transfer window in general, guys, one day left, uh, Neil Warnock was very, very open in his press conference, uh, saying that he wants one more sign before the deadline. Or hopefully two, uh, was which was very realistic, but you never know with Middlesbrough Football Club as of late. Um but Team Talk was reporting a swap deal for Bristol City with Britain uh Famara Diedo, but as I can report right now, uh, Gregor McGregor, which is a fantastic <laughs> Is that name, what he's called? Way. No, that's not what Gregor he's called, McGregor, is it McGregor. Uh, yeah, the <laughs> Bristol City uh, reporter and he said that whether Diedo to Middlesbrough or Sombalonga or just cash, it's not happening. Uh, we reported on Friday that no talks were taking place, and that's still the case. There is an interest, but no bids expected. And also, Bristol City are not in the market for Lucas Jutwitz, uh as well. So, it was a deal that was reported on a team talk last night for Brit and uh, Femara Diadu uh, to, to switch places. Um, I mean, do you think it would have been a good move anyway if it was to come off? I mean, it still can come off, but we... Mm. As of, as of now, we don't really think it's going to happen. So, Dan, do you think it would have been a, a decent move? Or first out of contract.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a good move in the sense that we're not letting Brick go for nothing. We we would have been getting a player in return if that was true. But obviously, it, it's it's come out that it isn't. But at the same time, I just don't see the point because whoever <laughs> is brought in... <laughs> I just don't see the point, right? Whoever's brought in, and, and I realised this earlier... Since I've been supporting Borough, we have never played to a striker's strengths. So for me, it doesn't matter who comes in. They're going to get the same, probably get the same treatment as Brit. They're going to get scapegoated. They're going to struggle. And Mm. it's, I mean, you can say, well, Jeju probably suits Warlock's style of play more than Brit does, but I'm still not not convinced. And financially, it probably does make sense because we would be getting a player, I would assume, on. lower wages than Brit is, so we're getting Brit off the wage bill and then a player in for less uh, on less money, but I just think it's a bit of a, a shoulder shrugging deal if I'm being honest. That I looked at it and I was just like, well, okay. And <laughs> you know, it was just it was it was just one of those. Um I know Bristol City fans seem to like Jeju. He seems to have worked his way up into being um quite well liked dashed and gay, but um I must admit it's it's not one that I'm particularly bothered about either way i'm sort of a little bit like elliot i guess sat on the fence
2: Hmm. rest in peace on it Uh, Nah, it's uh yeah it's um it's it's a strange one isn't it like I, i feel like he would be a great addition to us and getting brit off the off the wage bill is also probably a massive bonus for us financially um i feel like it'd be a move which suits both parties because both strikers are wanting to leave the respective mm. clubs. Um, whether like it, it works, I don't really know. I feel like the stumbling blocks for both teams will be wages. Brit is on a high wage, and probably Mar is is probably a. Yeah. No one said big wage, but he's not going to be cheap. No. Um, especially when you're buying players on a free, you can probably increase the wages a little bit because you're not paying a fee. Um, but it, again, it, it could be a strange one. But Tom. Do you expect Borough to be busy tomorrow? Or do you think that it's, uh, do you think it could be a in a place where Middlesbrough might actually bring in one or two players? And if so, who would you who would you look for?
0: Well, I certainly hope so because <clears throat> I've got the day off for it, so I will be watching Sky Sports News all day, and I'm I'm sick of getting our ropes up on deadline day just to find out the managers taking all the coaches down the pub because the great set of lads, but um. <laughs> 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 um... <sighs> I I believe uh, Warnock when he said in the press conference they definitely want one more bringing in Um, yeah I I definitely hope we we will see one incoming tomorrow and I reckon we could probably see a couple of people leave on loan at least as well Mm
2: -hmm. yeah but don't go breaking my heart to be honest Tom because I really want a few (laughs) (laughs) signings because I think we just need one or two more to like get us get us over the line because I just feel like we're so weak at times but yeah, we'll speak about outgoings then if you want, because Warnock has also mentioned that he'd be keen to to let one or two go. Wing and Coulson have been mentioned throughout the month uh, to potentially go on loan. Also, Sam Falarin could but Sam Falarin could be gone as well. We've also seen Isaiah Jones go to Scotland too. With I think it's is it Queen of the South he went to Queen yeah. of or... the South, yeah, mm-hmm. Queen of the South. So yeah, it's he's good get. It's good for him to get game time, but those two players of Coulson and, and Wing could be a. Could be a bit risky given that our squad's so thin, but do you expect them to move move on but also do you expect Borough to actually let players go in general given that we probably might not probably you know what, we probably won't bring players in, <laughs> to be honest.
1: <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't get to be honest, I wouldn't get rid of anybody just because like you said there the the squad is so thin. Having said that, though, there's not many chances even with the thin squad that Lewis Wing gets, so I think out of everybody, he's probably the one that I can see leaving the most. Obviously, Coulson came on yesterday, so out of the two of those that you've mentioned there, I can see Lewis Wing going more than Coulson, but. He mentioned Warnock that there has been um, inquiries, <clears throat> and I think much does depend on the the, the business coming through the door, um, which will affect the business going out the door. personally I wouldn't get rid of anybody apart from you know Sam Faliron, who needs to go out and get some loan time potentially here in Hackney as well. But in terms of first team players, I just don't see it. For me, I think loan some youth players out to give them that valuable experience that they need, but in terms of the likes of Lewis Wing and Hayden Colson just for, for security reasons of, of numbers, I think, keep them and, and in terms of incomings as well, I know he wants one more and I think he I think he does want a striker, but I would still improve the wings. I'm still looking at the wings and I'm thinking we need out and out wingers. You know, we, we have a lot of players that play, you know, wing back or can play Fullback as well i think we need an out and out winger similar to Balassi as well just to add to it just to give that little bit a different dimension to borough's play going forward where we have that pace you know we have somebody that's direct and that here's an out and out winger that has somewhat mm. consistent um deliveries at the box i mean as, as consistent as you can be for a championship winger and you know there are players out there potentially so Yeah, I'd I'd like to see another winger. Um, Centre-half, I was thinking we needed one of them, but then with with Dale Fry coming back, I I don't think we need one of those anymore. Grant Hall's back as well. So, yeah, incoming's a winger, but outgoing's only the youth players for me.
2: Yeah, well, there is Kamil Grzycki, the 32-year-old Polish winger, um, at West Brom, out of contract in the summer. West Brom can't get him off the books. Would you like to maybe... Maybe go for a deal, 18 months maybe, you know, because obviously when you hit about 34, you, you tend to be not worth as much value anymore unless you, you're truly spectacular. Um, do you think Borough should maybe look to bring him in just for, uh, for now kind of play?
1: Yeah, maybe a contract um, until the end of the season, or maybe a loan, similar to Balassi. actually, if his contract is up, then bring him in on loan um, let him finish the, the rest of the season and then maybe decide from there I don't think we should go into a deal where the player is entering the last six months of their contract and, and you know bring them in in January on a, an extended contract, I think similar deals to Balassi, where we bring them in on loan and then we can assess the options after that, I think that's the best avenue for Borja to go down, so with Grzycki, if we can bring him in on own, fine, but I think on a permanent deal, um, not so keen on that. Um, there are other players as well that I think are escaping my, my mind at the moment, but um, fingers crossed we can, we can bring somebody in.
2: Yeah, no, I, I, I 100% agree. Um, but let's chat, let's chat about one move that is nothing to do with Mills before right now, but it's more management focused. That like Jonathan Woodgate is, is going to be appointed first team coach at Bournemouth, Tom. Um a bit of a strange one, but do you think it's actually a good move for we get just to get out <laughs> of boringing to to you know, go to go to a promotion promotion tip side
0: in in the long run I think it is yeah I think he got kind of fast tracked into management quite quickly um and I know he said in in the interview he did not too long ago. That um, he thought he had the experience, but I do think there were times when he was managing us where the lack of experience did show. Um, mm. So I, th- I just think the more coaching experience he can get, the better it's going to be in the long run for for his manager
2: career. Yeah, I actually think it's a great move for him. Sam. I really do. I think I think it's just like. You know, I was like, you know, like the the Freddie Hearn movie, like, Bloody hell! How'd you manage that one? <laughs> uh, I was like, that's what I was like, kind of like a little bit in it. Like, he's, he's, he's managed to land on his feet and get a good job there. Oh I yeah, mean, I, I really hope he he smashes it. To be honest, he will be the Bournemouth uh, manager like the, at some
1: point because Jason Tindall's under yeah. fire.
2: Yeah, so imagine Johnny Walker going, being a Bournemouth manager at the end of the season.
1: <laughs> I, I oh, honestly. Uh,
2: and he gets them promoted or something. It must be like the most Borough thing ever. In
1: fairness yeah, to we, him, though. We've
0: still got to play him as well, so, you know, he's guaranteed a win against us. Yeah. So,
1: yeah. In fairness to him, though, he, you know, he came into Borough and he did want to play that sort of slick, possession based football, didn't he? And he mm. just didn't have the players to do so. Um, at Bournemouth, they do have the players to do so, so, you know. Jason Tindall to me is the Frank Lampard of the Championship. He's just out of his depth. Wouldn't be surprised to see him leave in the next couple of weeks, maybe even the next month. And then it's yeah. it's a it's the perfect avenue for Jonathan Woodgate to take over.
2: Yeah, Agent I mean, Woodgate. He, sa- he signed a four year deal, didn't he? Jason Tindall. So it's a bit of a tough one. I think that yeah. I feel like I feel like he'd probably. I think they'll probably still the end of the season, but I mean they have just lost like three in the spin, haven't they? So mm. I mean it, it makes sense to frame to be under fire. But speaking of teams that are out of form, <laughs> back to Burra, Dana, Middlesbrough have <laughs> lost four out the last six, um, one clean sheet in nine. Um, apart from yesterday, uh, where we we looked relatively good and steady, and we started to stop the rot, are you a little bit concerned with Borough's form at the minute?
1: No, because I sort of expected it. I know I mentioned a few times in previous podcasts about injuries. I kept saying that, you know, if we get injuries, we'll probably end up falling off. I mean, we haven't because nobody seems to want sixth place in the championship. Even Bournemouth don't want it themselves. So I was always expecting it to happen, to be honest. And I guess in a way we were punching above our weight if you think about where we all expected ourselves to be at the start of the season and I'm just happy that we are where we are we're still within a shout of the playoffs I'm not necessarily concerned I know we've got a really tough game against Brentford to come but um, I'm not concerned just because I'm just happy that we're not where we were last season I know things have changed somewhat just because of the way this season's panned out so far but form was always gonna turn like this I think. And I always earmarked February as a as a month of importance for Borough to see whether, you know, if we're still in and around the playoff places in February, then we could well still get into the top six and, you know, we are. Well you know, we're still in and around you know, we're seventh, we're we're still in and around those places. So I'm I'm quite happy with the way this season's gone. The form obviously has taken a turn but hopefully mm. we can use that Norwich game yesterday as a springboard to Replicate it against Brentford, essentially, we saw what we can do against a top team and and top teams this season we haven't actually struggled against the the Watford game first game of the season was tight. the Bournemouth game was tight. we could have even won that one, and um, the Norwich game we were incredibly unlucky at the riverside so Going into the Brentford game, I'm not worried given our form. Um, I think as long as we replicate the performance against um, Norwich, we could well be okay. And I know we'll get into it in our Brentford preview. Um, But yeah, I mean, obviously, the game against Rotherham was, was shocking, to be fair. It was a real low point of the season, probably the worst performance of the season. But injuries really dictated that, I think. And if we had to have Dale Fry and Dyke Steel in that game, it would have been completely different, in my opinion.
2: Mm, Tom, do you think that's why Boris' forms changed because of the the injuries that Borough have had? Uh,
0: potentially, yeah. Um, I, I do think we play worse when Dyke Steel's out. Mm. Hopefully, that'll be lessened now that we have uh, Fisher in, um, and t- same kind of thing with, with Fry as well. But I, I still think we've we've done well to to kind of be where we are um and we typically always have a bit of a slide around christmas slash january anyway so i was thinking about that yesterday i was like oh yeah how do we not see this coming it's it's typical borough um happens every year so yeah. someone on sky sports said it'd be typical borough if we beat norwich yesterday i was like that's nailed on now we're <laughs> probably gonna do it um but yeah I, I think now that we're getting some some reinforcements in some of the injuries are, are coming back um I don't see why we can't just crack on and, and start uh, getting on a good bit of form again.
1: I think Dyke still mm. is the, the important one, isn't he? Both he and Tav uh, probably, well actually the, the whole three players that were out against Rotherham are, in my opinion, our most important players. If we can get two of those back, it would be fantastic. I mean, Tav is a really big miss. We miss his energy going forward and in, in that transition. But Dyke Steel for me in defence is is a massive miss, and and like Tom <clears> said, there hopefully, um, Daniel Fisher has softened the blow a bit. But if those can come back, and Tav is out for a couple of weeks, isn't he? I think it was a knee injury or something. So probably have to wait a little bit longer with with him. But Dyke Steel's injury was a strange one, as I told you in the group chat the other day. Um, but we'll see when he when he gets back. I think Borough will will hopefully improve. There's a lot of hoping yeah, going on. There's an awful lot of hoping going on.
2: The podcast of hope. Yeah. No, right. I don't we, think we I've don't, ev- like, we, You know, none, none, of, none of this negativity anymore. This is a podcast of hope, uh, joy, and, <laughs> and happiness. If, if I honestly
1: t- I honestly don't think I've said the word hopefully and fingers crossed as much in my life.
2: Uh, well, don't let the sun go down in your day, to be honest, because <laughs> let's, 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 chat about, um, let's chat about Brentford then, because... <laughs> a game that we always used to enjoy playing against Brentford. I did. And I I really do like Brentford as a club, and every time we speak to these spotters and, and then the guys over there, we always have a good laugh with them. So it's um a game that doesn't get any easier, and it doesn't get easier for Borough's farm either, but it's a good game to get the farm right again. Um, But Dana, let's break down Brentford. The, the mic is yours. The, the Perry who whoever wants to go first.
1: Yeah, well... I'm going to take a little bit of a turn. I'm not actually going to break Brentford down just because we've played them twice this season, or it feels like longer than that, um, much more than that. Um, so people should know their, their style of play now. But, yeah, the 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 general consensus is that, um, you know, they're having a, a pretty decent season, not as well as they might have expected given last season. They're, I would say they're a little bit like us when we went up, um, you know, the, we started in and around there and then we... Um, you know, we clinch automatic promotion. I still expect them to clinch automatic promotion. To be fair, but the the last game against Wickham, I mean, it really showed their attacking qualities. Seven two um, was the result. But maybe a, a potential silver lining for Borough in that game um, is that their defence was pretty bad and. Uh, at halftime I was having a look at the forums a couple of their fans were expecting the game to be a lot tighter than that given the shaky defence um, somebody even said that they expected it to be 4-4 rather than 7-2 <laughs> but such is the quality that they have, I mean their front line is absolutely fantastic, probably the best in the in the division I'd say along with Norwich and um, that is a an avenue I think for Borough to exploit, I don't think it's actually going to be a um, yeah, I don't think Brentford are going to steamroll us that people might expect given the fact that they be, uh working by seven goals to two so there is something in it for Borough um it's a real test of Borough's attacking qualities I think in this game and and defensively against Norwich we were sound we need to be sound again because Ivan Toney's back on the goal trail um as, as shown against Wickham, we got two goals in that match um 22 shots in that game and 18 on uh, from open play so you know there are a possession based team they will try to take the game to you and really try to to use those attacking players to be able to um, to kill you basically so like they killed poor Wickham so yeah I mean it's obviously going to be a tough game but I, I think it to be honest I can see it being tight I know that the game that we played earlier against them um, when we had a couple of COVID cases, was completely different. I think we should take that out of the equation because it was a different Mills team and it was a different Brentford team. But even the game um, against them earlier this season was was tight. So um, yeah, it's it's going to be tough. But I'm I'm kind of hopeful again, carrying on this um, theme of hope. I'm quite hopeful of this game that we can get something out of it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you can't I told you <laughs>
0: I think, uh, speaking of, of tight games, they've uh, they've shown that a lot in their, their recent form. They've only actually had four games since we played them in the FA Cup, um, but what they've done in that time, they beat Luton 1-0 in the game after that. Then Leicester beat them 3-1 in the FA Cup last weekend, which it, it could have been us, might have been worse, so mm-hmm. probably a good thing, less. Um They had a 1-1 draw with Swansea in midweek, and then obviously the 7-2 win against uh, Wickham yesterday, so that that one against Wickham's kind of really the, the outlier it has been mm-hmm. uh, close games for them since they they played us at the, the start of the month.
2: Yeah, I believe that um what they're on sixteen games unbeaten, I believe, uh Brentford now. Which is so. uh you know, yeah. which is they're only nine games short of Reddins uh Redding's unbeaten streak when they won the league, so you never know. It's a, it's a perfect time for Borough to beat them. But guys, do you have any score predictions for the game?
1: one all I'm going to go one all
2: one all uh you... I wouldn't be surprised to see a,
0: a very similar lineup uh to what played yesterday so I'll go
2: 0-0 nil, 0-0 nil. one all I'm going to go oh god a tough game I... I think Brentford might have the extra quality uh, I think that even though it's going to be a tough game for both sides and we will we normally do perform better against better teams. I think they may have a bit more quality than us in, in the final third, uh, especially if they, if Dale Fry is hundred percent again. And it could be a bit of a it could be a difficult game for us. So it could be I think it could be one two Brentford. It's uh, a win two one I think. Um, but. I want to be hopeful, and you never know; we might, we might win. But then, just uh, before I sign off, the Sun have reported that we uh, are in for Grant Kamal now on a 6 month loan deal. So I thought you were going to mention, all... I
1: thought you were going to mention something Dana, about I'm the m- sun is shining and we're all hopeful. I was expecting you to say that.
2: No, no, I'm not going to like quote like Twister or something. You know what <laughs> I mean, singing hopeful. But uh, it's uh... <laughs> no, well, Camel Grizicki six-month, six-month deal until the summer. So all itk um mm-hmm. i don't know how the, i don't know how the son have managed to get involved but they're probably hacking like the youth do with with oh. pete P- P- morgan so uh, <laughs> that's pretty much it guys uh thank you very much for joining me as always if you listen to the podcast as well uh, do give us a five star rating on that one podcast or so follow us on spotify or any other podcast absolutely provider it helps us get found and also get charted in your individual country but then also gets charted uh, around around the w- world as well so that'd be really cool but that's it Borough remain just outside the playoffs but if we were to get back in there and we need to take a leaf out with Daniel Fisher's book and grab the league by the balls uh, but this has been the Borough Breakdown podcast and that was all your day chatter in a pod up the Borough Breakdown